Welcome to Sound Bites, hosted by registered dietitian nutritionist Melissa Joy Dobbins. Welcome to my Sound Bites podcast. This is where we delve into the science, psychology, and strategies behind good food and nutrition. And today I'm really excited. I have two guests, and they are both registered dietitians and really leaders in the field. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Janice Newell Bissex and Liz Weiss, two registered dietitians, and they're known as the Meal Makeover Moms. And they really are uh, two dietitians that not only I admire, but I enjoy as people. I've had the pleasure of meeting them several times at conferences, and they're both just funny and genuine, and I'm so excited to have you both on the show today. Welcome. Thanks. Great Thanks to be for here. having us. Now, we're going to talk about a lot of things today, but really excited about your podcast because that's what inspired me to do a podcast. <laughs> your podcast is... Um, it's not the Meal Makeover Moms, but it's a similar title. What is it? It's Cooking with the Moms. Cooking with the Moms, right. Yes, right. And you've been doing this for years. You said since 2008. Mm-hmm. 2008. We are now on show 267 or 8, I believe. We're losing track. <laughs> we actually used to record weekly, and then we decided to record every other week because mm-hmm. it was so much work. We create new recipes for the show, and mm-hmm. we sometimes have guests like you, sometimes we don't, but it's every other week, and it's just been so much fun, and Janice, it's so funny, when we first started the show, she said, we're going to run out of topics, and I said, trust me, we <laughs> never will run out of topics, and Janice, have we run out of topics? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am just amazed at the amount of content that you put out, and not just with the podcast, but everything you're doing, your books, your blog, your speaking engagements, everything. I don't know how you do it, but you have great content to share, and that's what we're going to dive in today. But tell me a little bit about, I always like to start off with, do you have any disclosures to note? And I don't believe there's any related to this podcast, but I'd love to hear what dietitians are doing with clients in the food industry. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing. We work with a variety of food companies. We do a lot of recipe development, and right now we just finished a project for Sabra, and we're doing a project for Welch's and also the California Avocado Commission. And it's actually a lot of fun because it allows us to obviously learn about the health benefits of different food products, but we get to create recipes that those companies may never have had before. Like with Sabra, we created these brownie bites. We've we've actually made black bean brownies before. I think that's one of the most popular. I know it's one of the most popular recipes on Meal Makeover Mom's Kitchen, but we decided to use hummus in these little brownie bites. And the plain hummus, not the garlic, thank you. And there was chocolate, and we had some banana in there. It was so good. And talk about a recipe really hitting a chord with consumers, especially our mommy audience. And they pinned it and shared it on Facebook and Twitter, and it was just a lot of fun to see it getting shared around. Oh, excellent. Well, on the topic of brownies, I kind of have a running theme on my podcast. I'm 
on the hunt for the perfect high-protein brownie, because that's what I would really like to have for breakfast. So if you have any high-protein brownie recipes, I would be very interested. High-protein brownie. Well, how many grams are you looking for, Melissa? And I'll let you know if our black bean brownies can help you out. As many as possible. (laughs) But if I had to eat two brownies, I would be okay with that. You're good. How about, let's see, each small brownie is three grams of protein. Mm-hmm. So if you had a couple of those with a glass of milk, mm-hmm. there you go. you'd be okay. close, getting up close to well, 20. We, and, you know, this is a black bean brownie, but you could probably also add some whey protein powder. Right. I've actually been, this is Liz, and I've actually been using that more lately in smoothies. I just got an organic whey protein powder, vanilla, and I add it to smoothies. And I bet you could pop a scoop into this, one or two scoops into this and it would be great. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. I will check that out, and I will link that recipe on my show notes for sure. Why, thank Along you. with your website, your Pinterest page, all of that. Thank you. Well, I want to know, I'm really curious, because I don't think I've asked you this question before. You guys have been friends for a really long time, and I love listening to your banter on your podcast. It's hilarious. <laughs> we're joking. We're, we're, we're laughing over here. We're not really friends. <laughs> right, right, right. I know. Yeah, you can't stand each other if so you do all this work together. Right. Well, it's, you know, the, the podcast is fun because we do poke a lot of fun at each other, for mm-hmm. sure. Yes. And, um, I think you poke more fun at Janice. I do, oh. but I think, okay, good. Now you've opened the door for her to poke more fun. I have a really dry sense of humor. I get it from my mom. I can't help it. And sometimes I get on a roll. And it's just a whole wheat roll, of course, and I just can't get off of it. (laughs) So how did you two meet originally? Do you remember where we met? We met at FENCI. It used to be the American Dietetic Association annual meeting, and I think it was an NE breakfast, Nutrition Entrepreneur Breakfast. Or DBC, Dietitian Business and and Communications. communications. And we were sitting at the same table. Right. Liz remembers more than I do. Well, it was in 19, I want to say 88, in Atlanta. The conference Mm -hmm. was there, and I'm just cracking up because Melissa, back then, everybody used to wear the suit jacket with the shoulder pads (laughs) and the bow tie, like this little (laughs) scarfy bow tie thing. Just not a good look. And I think we were at the same table, and Janice was in sales, maybe for Proctor Care, and I was working. Proctor Care, not Proctor. Oh, sorry, Proctor Care. And and I was working at CNN. I was a reporter and producer there. And so we met then and just became friendly. And then when I moved to Boston years later, we just got together for lunch. Janice is very social. She's so good about reaching out to people. And we had lunch, and I said, I want to write a book. I want to write a cookbook. She and I says, said, you're crazy. No, you said, I'll write a cookbook with you. I did? Because you were not working at the time. Yes, that's right. And so we wrote The Mom's Guide to Meal Makeovers. And this was before. This is just when the conversation was bubbling up about kids and obesity. And Janice mm. and I kept saying, but what about all the kids that are just eating mac and cheese every day and not eating a nutrient-rich diet? They're just eating all these empty calories. They might be skinny. They might be overweight. But that's what we want to address. So it was all about how to give your your favorite family recipes a healthy makeover. Love it. And it wasn't about taking away, away, away. It was about adding good nutrition. Yeah. Flour and flaxseed and good oils and lots of fruits and veggies in our recipes. And that's sort of how it all got started. Excellent. And I, I love that approach. As you know, I'm the guilt-free RD because food shouldn't make you feel bad. And I've 
long been attracted to what can we put into our diets? What nutrients can we, I don't want to say sneak in, but but pack our diet with nutrient-rich foods. And I also love the the makeover approach because even though I, I love trying a new recipe, you know, we all have our family favorites. And if you can take your family favorites and tweak them a little bit with some recipe modification and make them a little bit healthier, then I think that's a win. Right. And that's really our, that's what we do. We take yeah. family favorites and give them a healthy makeover because you don't want to, you know, families, like you said, they have favorites and you don't want to say, okay, you're going to go from eating spaghetti and meatballs and mac and cheese and chicken and now you're going to eat tofu and banana leaves. <laughs> I've never had a banana leaf. That was in a kid cookbook, remember? <laughs> oh, some really random weird ingredients. Yeah. Yeah, we want to make it easily accessible right. for people. So we use everyday ingredients and we, we turn to convenience foods like, you know, canned beans, for example. You know, we're not going to tell people who are crazy busy that you need to soak your beans overnight and you have to boil them. If you can do that, that's great, but there are many people who don't have the time for that, so we give them permission to use convenience foods. I love it. Permission. I love it. Now, one of the things we're going to talk about is picky eaters, and I have to preface this by saying I don't have picky eaters, but all of your tips still work for me. I was kind of a plain eater growing up, and I think, well, my daughter is not, but she's 15. My son, who's seven, he's kind of a plain eater, and I think that's partly my fault because when he was really little, I just exposed him to a variety of healthy, nutritious food. You know, when he was three years old, I remember he would ask for black beans for breakfast and loved tomatoes and bell peppers. And I remember as he started getting a little older, we'd be at the dinner table and my my son would have a bowl of yogurt, a bowl of black beans, a bowl of diced tomatoes. And, you know, we'd have grilled chicken and asparagus with like garlic and stuff on it. And my husband would say, he should be eating what we're eating. And I thought, well, we might should be eating what he's eating. And, And it's easy for me and he likes it. So I didn't introduce a lot of flavors. But I don't know if it's partly, you know, his genetics or the environment. He's kind of a plain eater, but it works out okay because he still Mm -hmm. gets nutrition. Right. I think that's okay. If he's a plain eater, you can just expand his his plain eating repertoire and then really introduce maybe one new food a week and make Mm -hmm. a game out of it. I mean, you know, in our second book, No Wine with Dinner, Mm W-H-I-N-E, we had 50 secrets from moms for getting picky eaters to try new foods. And that was the tips at the back of the book after our 120 recipes. Wow. And we had so many. 150 recipes. Oh, 120 in the first book. Thank you. Those last 30 were really exciting. But the tips are great, Melissa, because it's from moms who are just in the trenches and they've been there, done that. And I love one of the tips from one of our moms. And she says with her kids, she has a box, like a shoe box. The kids decorated it. And in it, they will put recipes that they want to try. So it might be something they saw on the Internet or in a magazine or in the Wednesday food section. They just clip it out, put it right in the box. And then they go through the box once a week and they pull something out something new to try. And that gives kids the control and the power to kind of guide their own journey for trying new foods and becoming a little bit more adventurous because, you know, kids like control. So give Mm -hmm. it to them and be creative in the process. And then, you know, take all the stress away, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a picky eater or finicky eater, you don't want it to be stressful. You want it to be fun. So turning this into a game is really, that seemed to be a, a primary focus of the, the tips we got from moms. And even starting a garden, getting your kids involved in cooking, these are the, the themes that bubble up over and over again, and they work. Mm-hmm. Right, and I really like the approach to kind of don't let this turn into a food fight because I think a lot of parents, 
you know, who have picky eaters or even just trying to, you know, do the best feeding their children, they all sometimes don't realize that the power issue, the power struggle mm-hmm. going on. Right. And so to make it fun is a great solution. So tell me a little bit more about some of your tips from your books and some of the biggest aha moments you've had with regard to picky eaters. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that we've learned over the years in talking to busy parents and moms in particular is that, you know, we try to tell people to to relax a little bit and not to get so uptight about every little thing that your child is eating that, you know, the whole division of responsibility where you say, you know, your job is to present a variety of foods and your child's job is to decide how much and whether they're going to eat it or not. And you don't make a big deal of it because of that whole control issue that the more you want a child to eat something, the more they could dig in their heels and say, no, we're not going to do it. Now, there are fun ways to get kids involved and willing to try a new food. We have on our website, we have a free download. It's a recipe reviewer chart. And it's just a chart, and the child can try a new food that they've not tried before. And then there are three options. They can check in the column with the smiley face, the sort of neutral face, or the frowny face. Mm -hmm. And so you can encourage them to be a recipe reviewer by giving them an incentive. Maybe after they review 10 recipes, they get some stickers or something that they want, a bouncy ball or, you know, a, a beach ball, something that they would really like. Mm-hmm. And it just encourages them, and they feel like they're part of the uh, of the process. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, I know when I learned back in college about that, that division of responsibility, you know, be, way before I even had kids, that just made so much sense to me and takes the pressure off. Okay, my role as a parent is, like you said, to provide a variety of nutritious foods and keep exposing them to it until they become familiar with it and let them, you know, kind of have that control as to, you know, how much. And I know, you know, when my son was really little, you know, maybe like two, three, four, I was astonished at how much food and how long he would sit there and eat. And I kept, you know, my dietitian radar was just going off in my head like, red flag, red flag, oh my gosh, you know, my child's going to be obese. But I felt... Mm-hmm. Good, because I knew I was giving him nutritious foods, and I had to tell myself, don't freak out. And then there were times, not as often, where he just wasn't hungry, and I'm like, well, I know he's not going to starve, and it's fine. And I I kept going back to that that sort of um, guideline, let your child sort of dictate. And my daughter taught me a lot about that, too. She always had a really good sense of when she was hungry and when she was full. And I really tried to reinforce, you know, and, and support that. Mm-hmm. That's a great strategy. And, you know, we've noticed, too, that when kids are young, say one to two years old, they're growing like crazy. They eat so much. And then it's around 18 months, 24 months, they start to get, quote, unquote, picky. Well, it's really because their growth slows down. Mm-hmm. They're not as hungry. And they're also getting into all sorts of cool science experiments, like throwing broccoli on the floor and seeing <laughs> what happens to it and seeing the reaction from mom or dad or caregiver. And so it really is biological. They're just not as hungry. So don't make a big deal and do what you did is just put the food out and let them eat till they're comfortably full, hopefully, and then you move on. So let, letting the child kind of guide that um, that food intake really makes much more sense than forcing or cajoling the, the child to keep eating, eating. You need to eat more. Clean plate club. Yeah, we're all, and we're all guilty of it because parents worry. But you have to kind of take that little back seat, let the kids... Take the uh, take the wheel on that one. Mm-hmm. And and in addition to the clean plate club, I you know I think a lot of parents have the tendency to feel like okay, well if you 
eat everything, then you'll get dessert. And uh, (laughs) we know that that is not what we should be doing, but sometimes it just seems like, oh, that makes sense, but it really is not a good. What What do you suggest for parents who tend to fall into that trap? Well, I will tell you, when growing up, my mother always said, you cannot have dessert till you've eaten your fruit. And we'd eat, like, some grapefruit. We'd, like, frantically eat our fruit because we were desperate for dessert. <laughs> so, really, you know, if you have dessert and it's a healthy dessert, like those little brownie bites or black bean brownies, a small portion of a better-for-you dessert is fine to have at the end of the meal. And I will tell you, when my kids were younger, they'd say, can I be done now? And I would always say, I don't know when you could be done when your tummy's full, then you're done. And then if and, and if I felt like they only wanted the dessert, I would say to them, Wow, you want the dessert, but you didn't eat your dinner. I guess you're full. Maybe we'll do dessert, you know, another time. Mm-hmm. So we would sort of encourage them to focus on the meal. Some people say put the dessert out at the beginning of the meal. I don't I don't really mm. go for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's I a little... I think brownies first. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I thought you were that. going with this, Liz. You I thought you were... Brownies. I know. I thought you were going to say, based on how you grew up, the way your mom said, you know, you can't have dessert until... That, that now as an adult, you just eat dessert first. <laughs> I usually eat dessert later. I usually will so eat... So do I. I'll eat dinner and say, well, we're full. We're done. Let's go play. Let's do homework. Let's whatever. And then maybe an hour later, hey, who wants a little dessert with some milk? And then that's because I always feel like after you eat a meal, you're kind of full. Move on. Get away from the table. Go do something else. And then maybe we would have dessert or maybe we won't. Sometimes you just get busy. Mm-hmm. You're having fun. You're playing, you know, Uno or Candyland or whatever jag your kids are into. Mm-hmm. You're going out playing this time of year, hopefully. Yeah, it's amazing. Once the kids get focused on something else, they, they forget about dessert and treats and um, you know right. out of sight out of mind really works mm-hmm. and for my kids it doesn't so much work for me but uh, yeah <laughs> but I'm I'm helping them build healthy behaviors so that's what's important so let's talk a little bit more about some of your favorite makeovers and what makes them healthier and and uh, you know some of maybe your favorite recipes that you've made over you know, I, I would say that one of my favorites is um, our Have It Your Way tacos, just because a lot of people, when they make tacos, you know, you saute some ground beef and you put it in a taco shell with some cheese and you might have some lettuce and tomatoes over the top. Of oh, you use that salty packet of taco oh, seasoning right, the mix. Oh, taco seasoning mix, right, which has mm. over a teaspoon of salt in the mm. packet. Wow. So what we do instead is we saute some lean, 90% leaner, higher ground beef, and we then add a can of black beans, we add some corn, we add some salsa. Some shredded carrot, Oh, if you want to really boost it up. Yep, some shredded carrot, and you saute all of that together, and then you add some shredded reduced fat cheddar cheese, and you get this deliciously cheesy filling, and then you put that in the taco shell, and then you Mm -hmm. serve it with some little cubes of avocado and some tomatoes and lettuce, and for my daughter Leah, some sour cream, some light sour cream, and then you get a good quality taco shell without all those trans fats. There are some great ones on the market now, and that's our taco that's got, I think, seven grams of fiber versus Mm. one in a a regular A lot lower in sodium. Yeah. Right, because we don't we just use cumin and chili powder instead mm. of the taco seasoning mix. And that's a really fun thing to do on a weeknight because it's fast. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't everybody take that long it's to a make. Ten minute recipe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and everybody can build their own and have it like mm-hmm. you said, make it have it your way. Right. 
Right. Cool. We're back to that control, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will tell you another recipe makeover, and it, this was probably our hardest, was our grab-and-go granola bars. Mm-hmm. And making your own granola bar, the challenge is that it has to hold together. Mm-hmm. I did, I, I'm not going to disclose the name of this blog, but I did make a recipe once for a homemade granola bar from a blogger, and it was a disaster because none of the, it all crumbled apart. Mm-hmm. So this is um, a recipe that calls for oats and whole grain cereal and nuts and dried fruit and honey. We had a few little mini semi-sweet chocolate chips, and we just nailed it. It took maybe eight or ten times. It was a yeah. challenge, <laughs> but they're so yummy. And and you can freeze them, so what you don't eat, you have for later. So Mm -hmm. I would say the grab-and-go granola bars, one of my favorite makeovers. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you go to the store and they're expensive. Mm -hmm. And they're not very, you know, nutrient-rich like we were talking about earlier. They're very sort of carby, but there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of, like, nutrition crammed in. Mm -hmm. And ours are chock-full with the dried fruit and the nuts and the whole grain cereal. You know, I think Kind copied us, actually. (laughs) I think so. But kids don't love Kind because those nuts are very big and chunky. And kids like things that aren't lumpy and chunky, whether it's a pasta sauce or whether it's a a Mm. granola bar. I know my kids, they're teenagers, but they prefer things kind of on the smooth side. Mm. And so, you know, so getting back to the picky eater thing, sometimes it's not that your child doesn't like pasta sauce on spaghetti. They don't like the chunky pasta sauce. Mm. It's just a a little tweak, right, just a little tweak. And -hmm. and then they'll like it, a little minor adjustment. Mm Mm-hmm, interesting. Yeah, my son hates pasta sauce, and uh, he calls it jelly. He doesn't, you know, it's like he doesn't understand. Um, I, honestly, I think he doesn't like it because it's a little bit messy, which <laughs> is probably my fault. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, speaking of picky eaters, I always tell this story. You know, there's a window where kids will be more open to trying things, and, and maybe it's that you know, a window where you said maybe they, they, that window closes when they start slowing down on their growth and they're not as hungry or they get a little older. And, um, I, of course, like I said, I always expose my son to all these healthy, nutrient-rich foods. And um, he was he had to be about three or four years old. And I stopped by a Starbucks and I got a, my decaf non-fat latte. And because you guys know I don't I don't do caffeine really. I don't need it. And uh, <laughs> I got a donut and I tried to give him a little piece and he was not having anything to do with that donut and I'm like dude it's like cake like really (laughs) and I thought well I'm not going to push this but isn't this interesting Mm -hmm. because I thought he doesn't even know what he's missing he won't try a donut so I think that speaks volumes to you know it's not just that they're not going to try a vegetable or something they kind of get through this phase where nothing new Mm -hmm. is coming over their way so so funny you know, I did I did a class for a group of preschoolers. In fact, I have a, a class for second graders tomorrow. And what I have found with kids is that they love food as art. So if you, for example, take a bunch of cut-up vegetables and turn it into a skeleton, you can go to Meal Makeover Mom's Kitchen, you'll find that recipe, and you, and you make the skeleton, and then you have a healthy dip on the side. The kids will eat every part of that skeleton. It's made with, like, mushrooms and celery sticks and different, like, body parts, you know, cauliflower. Mm-hmm. Cauliflower. And mm-hmm. and then they're dipping it. They'll eat every last 
piece. And tomorrow when I give the class to the second graders, I'm going to do a rainbow with different vegetables. I'm going to have Mm. some dip. I'm going to have cauliflower florets, the clouds. And when you just do this very playful little artistic um, presentation, Mm -hmm. every kid in the room is going to gobble it up because Mm -hmm. it's too cute to resist. That's and true. there's so much to choose from. So they mm-hmm. might take a red bell pepper. They might not eat a piece of cabbage. It's purple. Ooh, that's a little weird. Mm-hmm. But once they see their peers consuming it and it's playful and it's colorful, that's having fun. And mm-hmm. that's just, just giving them so many fun choices. And then from within the choices, they can play. Mm-hmm. And if you go yeah. to Pinterest and you start looking up, you know, rainbows and skeletons mm-hmm. and all these funny little food art things, you'll be amazed how creative people are and mm-hmm. how many tools are out there for people to access. Thank yeah. you, Internet. What did we do before you? <laughs> right. I was just going to mention Pinterest. You know, I think that was one of the, my favorite things about Pinterest. And I have a fun food board where, you know, it doesn't have to be healthy, but there are a lot of, you know, fruit and vegetable type things that like you mentioned, the skeleton. Mm-hmm. And uh, my kids have reminded me to, to make food fun because um, I think as adults we forget about that. And I think that's a really great point. Food as art. Mm-hmm. And eating sometimes with your fingers. We always have this yeah. debate at my dinner table that you can eat asparagus with your hands. My husband's British, so he's very like, oh, you have to be proper, you know, with the, <laughs> the cutlery and all that. And I say to him, Tim... And I'll Google it, and of course we prove them wrong every time. It's okay for the boys to eat asparagus with their fingers. And if that's what it takes to get them to want to eat the asparagus, mm-hmm. then we're, we're going to eat it with our fingers. And exactly. that's perfectly fine. Fun, fun. So how has your style of cooking changed over the years? Um, you know, more and more nutrition science is emerging and dietary priorities. Um, tell me a, a little bit about uh, how how. Your, your cooking style, your, your meal makeovers, your approach has changed. Mm-hmm. I would say that in our first book, we, we were low-fat. We had low-fat recipes. We used um, a lot of low-fat ingredients. And now I think we incorporate more fat. One example is when we do a, a cheese sauce for, say, a pasta or mac and cheese. We did a slurry before where we did the, the water, I mean the milk with uh, some flour to thicken. In, in the saucepan to add with pasta, and now we do a roux. So we'll add a couple of tablespoons of olive oil, maybe a tablespoon of butter. We make a classic roux and thicken a sauce that way. And so we've incorporated more fats. We've never been about fat-free. We've sort of always incorporated fat, but now we're a little bit more liberal. You know, with the research and the science behind it that says that if you have fat in your diet, in your meal, then you can absorb all the great nutrients from the fruits and vegetables much better. So we're always careful and make sure that we do have enough fat in all of our recipes so Mm -hmm. that you can increase the absorption. So I think that's one way. And probably in our first book, our recipes were a little bit milder in flavor because we were gearing it toward kids. You know, we wanted kids to be happy and to eat with the family. I think now we've branched out a little bit more, especially on our blog, and we'll use a lot of fresh herbs and a lot of bigger flavors. Mm -hmm. So I think we've evolved in that way over the last decade or so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and also people are just more comfortable with bigger flavors, more world flavors. Mm -hmm. They're much more adventurous. I actually, I don't even think I told you this, Janice, but I've been working on a meatloaf makeover because I work for CNN 
Accent Health. These are videos that I do for them, and they run in doctors' offices across the country. And I so see them in my doctor's you. office. Yay! <laughs> I get I to see you when I go up. to the doctor. Wait, hello. <laughs> so I'm going to do a meatloaf. They want a meatloaf, and I want to do a meatloaf makeover, and I added lots of chopped up green onion and garlic and of course, my shredded carrot and some oats and it, it and, and tons of fresh basil chopped up. And I made it the other night. I'm still tweaking it. And my son was like, oh, my gosh, Mom, this is so good. And it was so flavorful and so luscious and yummy. And I used lean ground beef, of course. And so it's that kind of thing, like Janice said, we're just a boosting. We want bigger, bigger flavors. And kids, I think, want are more willing to accept those bigger flavors because they're mm-hmm. more exposed now. Mm-hmm. And the other big thing, Melissa, is gluten-free. Now, we know that celiac is on the rise. We know that gluten-free diets are all the rage, um, and, and, and we encourage anyone who's following a gluten-free diet to follow it if they really need to follow it for a clinical reason. Talk to your doctor, your dietitian, if you, you know, get diagnosed if you have celiac. Mm-hmm. But we, so we know that more people are following these styles of diets. And so we do more, I'd say we do more gluten-free or we'll give people a gluten-free option. And so we're more mindful of that. And certainly when the first book came out, there was talk of celiac, but nothing like it is now. Mm-hmm. So that's another big evolution, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we never cooked the chia seeds, for heaven's sake. Not in the first book or <laughs> hemp seeds. <laughs> we're so into those now. Quinoa. We love right. these ingredients. They're yeah. wonderful. So we tend to have more recipes. Yeah, there were no ancient grains in our first book, I don't think. Right, people weren't talking about ancient grains. And kale, hello. Mm-hmm. It's like all the rage, right? So right. greens and kids massaging olive oil into kale and eating kale salads. This is just so amazing, just the, the way things have changed for the better in the world of food and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yes, the nutrition landscape definitely is changing. And that... And that brings up a, a question that just popped into my head as you were talking. What what do you think when we're talking about nutrition and kids and snacking? Um, I've seen, you know, with my daughter being 15 and my son being 7, I've seen a lot of change over the last eight years um, where the types of snacks that you can bring to school, in, at least in my school district, has changed. Um, you can only bring a fresh fruit or vegetable. And actually, I'm required right. to send my son with a fresh fruit or vegetable every day, which I have to say, even as a dietitian, it's, it's a little bit hard for me sometimes, but it's good because it, I, I have to make sure I have something, you know, that's portable and, you know. Um, yes, it's a really great rule. I yeah. like that rule. Our school district is, is, is pretty um, progressive, I think. Um, we have a, a dietitian who has a daughter, um, my daughter's age, uh, in, in the school district, and she, she did a lot to, uh, to help uh, the, the school the, you know, food service and make some improvements. Um, and one of the things that I like about it is not just that it, it helps, you know, I have to give him a variety of fruits and vegetables because he's going to get tired if I give him cut up apples, you know, every day. Um, But when my daughter was in grade school and his age, um, she used to, well, they had an early drop-off program and they would have kind of breakfast type items there, but it wasn't an official school breakfast program. So you get a letter in the mail saying, this is not an official school breakfast program. You are required to feed your child breakfast at home. So of course I'm a rule follower and I did that. But then I'd drop her off and I'd see the the ladies like kind of pushing food on her. Mm. Yeah. And I, you know, after a couple weeks, I, I 
to the, my daughter, you know, she was in second grade. I said, uh, sweetie, um, are you eating two breakfasts? Mm-hmm. And she was like, uh, yeah, like, am I not supposed to do that, you know? And I was like, hmm, interesting. So I I didn't say anything to her. um, But what I did do is I stopped feeding her breakfast at home and I let her just eat the food that was there. And it probably wasn't as nutritious as what I would provide her at home, but at least I knew that she wasn't getting extra calories, you know, that that she didn't need. need. Mm -hmm. Right. And and overriding her hunger cues because she probably wasn't hungry, but she saw the kids eating and, okay, You see other kids eating. You see kind of, you know, they had like mini muffins and, Mm -hmm. you know, and they had fresh fruit and things like that. But, yeah, certainly. And then, you know, like sometimes she would get double serving. Speaking of seeing what other kids are eating, if there were hot dogs or hamburgers uh, for lunch, a lot of the kids would get doubles. And she was in third grade at the time. And we noticed that her account was a dwindling quickly and I said sweetie are, are you feeding a friend or you know like what's going on and we're like what's going on and she said oh no you know we get doubles and I'm like I was one of those moms I called the school and I'm like no third grader needs two hot dogs or two hamburgers right. wow. and I'm like what's going on and then like with the you know snacks after soccer and things like that oh, craziness so much right. and it's interesting because when my son, Josh, he's now 20, when he was in, like, kindergarten, first grade, when he started doing the in-town soccer program, we would be told to bring oranges for halftime. And that was it. And then the mm-hmm. kids would go home. And something evolved back in, like, the early 19, let's say he was born in 95. So, like, in 2000, 2001 and two. so say a decade ago, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the field became this junk food fest where, mm-hmm. yes, parents brought oranges for halftime, but then suddenly there was this after-game snack, and it became like junk food, Doritos and Rice Krispie treats and, mm-hmm. and, and sugary drinks and, and, and litter everywhere, and kids in this eating frenzy. Now, mind you, we're in New England. It's always so cold. Like, it's cold today, and it's summer almost. It's but, cold here in Chicago, too. <laughs> yeah, so the kids have, have played soccer for an hour, but, mm-hmm. you know, let's face it, they're young. They're not burning off that much energy. Right. A ton of kids on the team, and now they're eating all this junk food. Well, they can't eat lunch when they go home, so then that would ruin their lunch, and it was so out of control. And so mm-hmm. we, we um, speaking of the dietitian who makes the phone call, I called <laughs> the president of the soccer club at the time, who happened to have been my husband, and I said, yeah. Tim, come here now. I said, this is crazy. Kids need fruit and water, and that's it. They don't need sports drinks. They're seven years old. Enough. Anyway, he's like, okay, and he spoke to the board, and they all agreed, you know what, we're going to talk to the coaches and have them speak to the parents, and we're going to start a new policy, and that is fruit and water only. That way, no one makes a judgment. Mm-hmm. It's just plain and simple, and the kids love it. They mm-hmm. get watermelon and grapes and oranges and a whole mm-hmm. assortment of fruit, and they're happy as clams, and then parents are happy because it's easy to buy a watermelon and cut that up. You don't have to go to Costco and buy the bag of the yucky, salty, fake chips, you know. <laughs> and by gosh, the litter on that field, you couldn't imagine. <sighs> so And then, so now we see a shift. Now everybody's finally saying, you know what, we don't want our kids to eat junk food 24-7. Mm-hmm. Michelle Obama, Jamie Oliver, all these movements that have taken hold. Mm-hmm. So people don't get upset when you say water and fruit only. They're like, thank you. 
appreciate That's great that. advice. We had similar situation with our soccer uh, activities, and I was afraid to, you know, again, my husband was the coach, and I was, mm-hmm. I was afraid to be like that mom. But that that's great where you just kind of level the playing field and say, you know, this is the kids don't really need this this junk, and you know, this is an opportunity to give them, you know, fruit um, that they do need. Right, so. fuel their bodies and call it a day. Move on, go home, go off to softball, whatever you're doing. But yeah, and I and it's funny you say that mom because it was back ten years ago you were that mom. Today you're just a mom. Mm-hmm. You're a mom who wants. Good nutrition for her child, and it seems like it's much more the norm now. What do you think, Janice? People seem to be less, you know, angry about it. It's much more mainstream. I would say for sure, yeah. 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 And when I coached soccer when Carolyn was in kindergarten, it was still all oranges. It was right. sort of before it turned over and went to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I didn't realize just, no, it had definitely. been. It was fine in the 90s, and then, mm-hmm. boy, 2000 yeah. hit, yes. and it all went awry. Yep. I didn't realize that because mm-hmm. I came in, like, you know, mid to late 2000s, and I was like, what's well, going on here? There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, very cool. Well, what would you say with all of your your speaking, your videos, books, podcasts, everything, what, what, what do you think the most important takeaway is for people listening today? We've had some really great conversations about children, nutrition, picky eaters, meal makeovers, but if you had one final thing to say, what would it be? I would say that for families to make just to make some small changes to what they're doing to make their diets just a little bit healthier. You know, incorporate another fruit or vegetable every day into your diet. Send your kids with a healthy snack. Get rid of the sugar-sweetened beverages. And really just take, you know, a baby step at a time and make, you know, one or two changes over the course of a month and then incorporate another couple of changes. Nothing drastic. Just incorporate more fruits, vegetables, whole grains, lean proteins, and have some fun and get some exercise. And then I would say, too, make the, the healthy food taste great. It's That's that's the default. You know, mm-hmm. it, Janice and I always say when we're doing recipe development, if a recipe doesn't taste great, kids won't eat it and mm-hmm. they won't get the nutrition. So you can make the healthiest recipe in the world. If everybody rejects it, they get no good nutrition from it. So flavor is first. Nutrition is second. Ooh, very and good. I like the process. That. Very good. Thank you. Well, I do have a couple more questions for you. Um, definitely going to give uh, uh, links to all of your, your wonderful information on my show notes. And um, But I'm curious, like your podcast, I mean, you are leaders in the field. I mean, you have been one of – there still are only a few credible nutrition podcasts in the space. And you've been doing this for, for so long. But what are some of the favorite podcasts that you listen to? And they may or may not be nutrition-related. Besides sound bites, Jimmy? <laughs> Besides, Besides mine, of course. Cooking with the moms? <laughs> um, you know, one that I download is uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR. And, you know, I haven't had a chance to listen to it lately. And also, uh, What Really Matters? We have a couple of friends, Vicki and Jen, from Kentucky. And they have a, a fun family podcast. And so I listen to that also. So those are, those are a couple that I... That one, what really matters? What really right. matters. What really matters. And also, cool. and this is no longer on the air, but they were on the air for over 400 shows. 
and that was the Manic Mommies. I think you could still get their show on iTunes. Mm -hmm. And they're in the kids and family category, and we're in that category too, although we're thinking of maybe moving over to nutrition or cooking. We don't know. Help us, Melissa. Mm. But the, uh, You can be on several different categories. We can. Oh, yes. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Okay. We have three interns here today, and we will that's put them on this day. put them on that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good to know. Thank you. But, yeah, Manic Mommies, Kids and Family, and they were our inspiration. We were guests on their show. Oh. And then we decided, hey, we should start a podcast. Mm -hmm. And they've been on our show. We've been on their show. And, and they were just great role models for us, and they were just real and hilarious, kind of like Vicki and Jen. Mm -hmm. So that's another good show. Cool. Well, I, I know the podcast community is amazing. Um, you know, just like I've learned so much from you guys, I'm, I'm tickled that I was able to give you a little little tidbit there. Um, but the, the podcast community has just been great, supportive, um, sharing, and um, so I, I like to give shout-outs to other podcasts on my Absolutely. show. Absolutely. Yeah. You can never listen to too many podcasts. I'm addicted. What can mm -hmm. I say? Um, so one more question. You had mentioned some of the cool food industry companies that, that you work with. Um, what do you say to people who think that might be a negative thing, or like research is funded by industry or dietitians working with industry? Wow. I mean, I don't see it as a negative at all to work with a food company where we believe in the food and it's a healthy food and we're helping them to create recipes to share. I mean, that's we, I look at that as a service that we provide to help people incorporate healthier foods into their diet. I would agree with Janice, but, and, and certainly whoever we partner with has to be someone who aligns with our mission, which is family nutrition and giving people, you know, real food that they can then cook with. And, you know, would we work for um, a fast food company? No, it's kind of mm -hmm. not our, our bailiwick, but... Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so no, I, we don't we don't see any negative, and and like Janice said, we're coming up with new recipes, and we test our recipes to the point of exhaustion <laughs> because I, we don't want hate mail. You know, the recipe has to work, and there is nothing worse than making a recipe and then having to throw your ingredients away mm -hmm. or throw the dish away because right. nobody wanted it or it didn't work. Exactly. Well, I couldn't agree more how important it is for dietitians to have a seat at that industry table and to have that important input and to work with companies that align with your brand. And uh, with regard to you testing those recipes, it really is appreciated. I have one of my Pinterest boards is recipes I've actually tried and either loved or modified because there's so many recipes out there and a lot of people don't test them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they that. use more salt or, you know, you know, there's something that maybe you would do differently, um, but it, it really helps people like you actually test them over and over again. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, and I know we're going to see each other in the next few months at some upcoming meetings. I really look forward to that. And... Um, I understand that you two have, will be receiving a very important award at our upcoming National Dietitian Sensi meeting in Nashville. Yes. We are the recipients of the Media Excellence Award uh, that's given out by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics every year. And we're really excited about that. Oh, it is so deserving. I was so thrilled to hear that, that you will be receiving that. And um, this... 
so happy for both of you. Well, Thanks, thank Melissa. you. We really appreciate it. And it's been so great to be on your show, and we're so glad you've joined the world of podcasters. <laughs> yes. It hasn't been easy, but it has been fun. Good. I, yes. what it I'm so be. thankful you guys both uh, gave me a lot of great lights of wisdom and support. And you, you know, call anytime. I really appreciate it. Likewise. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. And I want to thank our listeners and ask them to please tune in Cooking with the Moms. Cooking with the Moms. Cooking with the Moms podcast. And please tune into my show again and share all your comments and feedback with us on iTunes. I encourage you to do a rating and review for the Cooking with the Moms podcast. And I hope everybody has a great day. And remember to enjoy your food with health in mind. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. For more information, visit soundbitesrd.com. Music by Dave Burke. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.